Biodiesel is very fortunate to have a number of high-profile people out there singing the praises of biodiesel. And we're lucky enough to have one of those with us today, Mr. Luke Perry, actor and biodiesel advocate. But not this, singer. I don't sing but the not praises singer, of anything. But not singer, not right. singer. And uh, we're also very lucky to have Daryl Hannah. Many of you saw her this late, morning. Late, tardy. <laughs> she's a little late, but she'll, she'll be in here as well. So this is just very informal. If you have any questions for Luke or for Daryl when she steps in about their yes, support. please have questions for Daryl when she comes. Fire away. Anyone want to go first? Because I know I got some for her, but I'll let you guys get in there first. Do you have any questions for me today? Biodiesel. Uh, Daryl Hanna, the lady who is not with us but will be any minute. We started talking one night about our love of horses and all things farm-related, and we started talking about farms, and Daryl proceeded to explain to me how she ran a very green farm with, with biodiesel, and I was very interested to hear about that. And we were at a restaurant in Hollywood, and I think 10 minutes later, she had me outside down on one knee smelling the exhaust pipe of her car um, and telling me this amazing story about this fuel that uh, was made from soybeans. And, um, I, you know, I grew up in uh, Ohio, Fredericktown, like it says on my coat, and uh, it's, a, it's a big agricultural community. So I was always really interested to find out how that worked, and that's how that happened. And there she is right now. That's the lady that brought me to biodiesel. I just can't talk about biodiesel. Come on. More help and more's coming. Have a seat. So that's Sorry, how I got into it. I went to the wrong room. This was supposed to be in another room, but they moved you all down here. Anyway, that, that's the long and short of it. She, she told me about it. And then I started to educate myself, and, and I got Josh's book. Uh, throughout the, the course of meeting other people in Hollywood who talk about biodiesel, they all at some point mention Josh and say, go read his book. And I did, and I did, and I'm here. And that's here. What do I drive? You know, people always ask me that because they immediately expect me to come back with, oh, I drive a car. I don't drive a car that's powered by biodiesel. I find it very difficult to find diesel cars. This is one of the things that we need to address. Is we can you, hook you up. Yes, she's hooking me up. Um, but uh, I can get hooked up. But but a lot of the uh, but a lot of folks don't. And everybody should be able to walk down to your corner car lot and, and get a car that runs on this kind of fuel. And that's that's ideally sure. But that's one of how many cities in this country that don't have it available. And ultimately, that that's what I wanted to be here for. I. If nothing else, I get the sense of how many soybeans, how much soybeans we grow in this country. How many soybeans have to die, man? <laughs> That's right. How many That's soybeans have to die ask. before you people get it? Um, but when you see such a tremendous resource, and, and, and me, because I know so many soybean farmers, and my neighbors grown up farm soybeans, and I used to work in the bean field. I'm from Ohio, you know, and... Um, one day this year we lost 26 people in Iraq, Ohioans, in one day. If those people could have went to work in the bean field instead of die in the battlefield, I'd be happy, and I think a lot of people would. Um, I'm not a terribly political person, but I think in this instance we're looking at something that is literally the silver bullet that could save not only our economy, but provide us with energy security for this country for a long time to come. And that's why, that's why I'm, you know, again, I don't jump up and on a soapbox much, but I worked with Martin Sheen, and he said, you have to do it. It's incumbent upon you. If you have the knowledge and people will listen to you, you've got to share it. So, I, you know, I believe in this, so it's easy to do. I'm from People for the Ethical Treatments of Soybeans. 
The pits of people. <laughs> you live it. It's a, you know, really, see, even amongst uh, those of us in Hollywood who oftentimes talk about things, there are a select few who just live it, and Daryl is one of those people. You know, I'm not fully on board with that yet. I haven't been... I haven't been able to get it together, the wherewithal, but she does and has and, and is such a great proponent not only of, the, uh, of biodiesel and the technologies, but the idea behind it and why it's important and the concept. And that's what she was able to communicate to me and it got me very excited about it. Um, my, uh, my friend, Charis Ford, who you might be aware of by the name the Granola Ayatollah of Canola. <laughs> He's a... Uh, eco rapper, uh, a farmer, uh, long time uh, organic farmer, um, and uh, he worked closely with the Amish. And and uh, um, he, um, I met him, oh gosh, almost ten years ago now, and he became the caretaker of my property when I was away uh, working, and um, which was perfect because I was looking for someone to who knew solar power since I was off the grid and could handle, you know, all those concerns as well as get my organic garden going. And he was like the man. And then he became my educator as well and started teaching me about biodiesel. And when I first, when he first told me about it, uh, he bought his, he bought this, a scout for the ranch to be the ranch vehicle to run on biodiesel. And, and I just, you know, like everybody, I guess, who finds out about it, and well, right, we all, we're all like, what? This... Yeah is a possibility and we didn't know about this it's been going on like for over 100 years this great secret is, yeah, you know like they let you in on the, the best secret ever it's the world's best kept secret you know and so I was just so stunned and so excited and ever since then that's it I haven't put a drop of petroleum in my cars and and I am just continue to be so excited about the possibilities yeah. um, of looking at a uh, um, a homegrown fuel. You yes, know? And there's so much potential it's sustainable. there. Sustainable. And, and it's hard science. Fuel. You know, it's it's not it's not uh, something of the counterculture. It's not um, it's nothing but hard science. They they've done it now. They've done it long enough. They do it good enough, well enough, pure enough, and they can make enough of it. The, the time has come. Oil is no longer a necessity. Uh, people, if they come to you 10 years ago and said, oh, we've got it, we can get off oil, 10 years ago it wasn't the case. I'm here to tell you today it can happen. In two years, this country could reduce by 60% the amount of oil that we take in from foreign countries. And if you th- in two years, because the interesting thing about biodiesel, it works with our existing infrastructure. You don't have to go and build new pipelines. You don't have to build new engines. You don't have to do any of that stuff. It already exists. It's just a little bit of thing that happens to have it switch over because biodiesel runs cleaner in the machine, and it'll actually clean out all the old deposits left through petroleum diesel fuel. Biodiesel will come through and make it a cleaner, greener, brighter place. And we just need to do that to the existing infrastructure, and we are good to go. But that's the thing that Charis and I always say, show me something better and I'll sign up. But right now, this is the best thing that we have going. And uh, I'm just so excited about it. And it's great because, like, yesterday I was on Fox News uh, Live and, you know, across the board, uh, everybody, you know, is down with the program. It's, it, it crosses all political lines, like Joe was saying this morning, and it, it crosses economic strata. People are just excited about the, uh, the, the possibility of something that's good for everybody and good for everything. And sustainable. I can't talk enough about sustainability. I mean, say what you will about oil, whether you like it or not, it definitely brought us into the industrial age and it brought us where we're at now. It's not sustainable. 
bottom line. Even if we wanted to keep sucking the oil out of the earth, we're getting to the bottom of the milkshake and the straw's starting to go. So we got to figure something else out. And this, timely enough, you know, it, it's right here. I guess the sad thing for me is it's always been there. We corrupted diesel technology with petroleum. It wasn't what it was supposed to do. You know, we had, there was, a, there was a moment in time where we had the capability, we could have all this energy and none of the pollution. And the wrong people were in charge and they made the wrong decisions. And it's coming around again where we collectively as a society can make the decision. And I'm picking this time to make my voice heard to say this is the thing to pick. This is the thing to choose. This is the technology to get behind. It will give us energy security for the 21st, 22nd, 23rd centuries. I can't predict any farther than 300 years, but I will go that far. Yeah, well, I, I think in general, people, um, the, tech, the technology wave that came in the 90s with computers, the late 80s and the 90s with computers, uh, it literally opened people's eyes to the possibility of what is out there now for our future. And in taking that quantum leap in, in the thought process, like we never, we, we couldn't envision the internet, we couldn't envision email, wireless, all this stuff. A short 10 years later, they, they dumped that technology on us, and it is the way of the world. No different here. I think uh, in the 70s, um, we were skeptical about a lot of things, and we weren't as open to them as we are now. We're in the 21st century now, and people have seen that if you roll the dice and you take a chance on some things, they really do pay off. I think that uh, today's generation of younger kids, the kids who are coming online are going to be driving in the next five, six years. They get it. They love, their, they love their planet. They don't want to pollute it. That message is finally after 25, 30 years of you know, hitting us over the head that we get it. Planet's warming up. We're messing it up. Uh, the natural continuation extension of that logic is the younger generation who now is aware of alternative fuels, um, they know that they're going to have to develop it because they won't have the oil. You know, this is the future that we're leaving. This is the legacy that we're leaving to our children. It's that important. And, and luckily, fortunately for us, they're open to it. We just have to, again, it's a moment in time, and it's maybe a 10-year tick on the clock, but it seems like it's going to go by that quick. And that's why it's so important that we make it known now, we make it heard to that generation so they can and will embrace it. I think. Anyway. Um, you know, yeah, it's interesting. It's, yes, we could consume, if you take the, the oil that we import from foreign countries, I'm saying we could knock 60% off that number by utilizing, and that's within the next couple of years. Utilizing, what's in the way of that? There are uh, literally tens of thousands, I mean, I guess maybe hundreds of thousands of flex fuel vehicles on the roads right now, but in California we only have one E85 station. I mean, there, there, uh, we have the the capability. We just need to to implement it, basically. Yeah. And those who do the implementation currently have concerns that are more petro related. And as long as that is the case, this, this, you know, we might find ourselves in this conundrum. Going back to this gentleman's question, we're only two or three administrations away from this next generation being in power, and they'll then make that choice. It's incumbent upon us to do the nice thing and start the segue for them. But I don't know if they will. I'm, I'm curious about the receptivity of like, I know these are 
But still, it's hard. It's far from convenient. Yeah. Well, I know that I was recently just, uh, I spoke with a gentleman from Minnesota who's one of the representatives of the soybean board there. And in that state, it's mandatory that all diesel is uh, B20 blend, B2 minimally. Uh, but that state, you know, you can't buy diesel fuel that doesn't have some uh, bioproduct in it. And, again, it's a small step, but it is a step and it's a start. Um, John Deere has come online with saying that all the new tractors and stuff that they put out are going to come off the line with a B2 blend. Um, major automakers are also coming online with the same commitment. Jeep uh, has, has, has put out an entire line of vehicles that as they roll off the assembly line, they will be fueled with a biodiesel blend. Everybody else, you know, again, the next person that takes it up to the next level, they'll do even better. But the higher uh, B100 groups are getting stronger every day, and, and there's a co-op just opened in Santa Monica um, not even a month ago, just after the new year, and... Um, you know, they're, they're opening everywhere. If you just stay connected to the Internet, and you can find out, you know, where they're popping up all over the place. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting because that's sort of what our job is here is to, fit, you know, find the things that involve the next generation of youth. And there are educational packets that, that Josh Tekel and his people have put together in, in conjunction with the biodiesel board that you can make available to high schools, junior high schools, so that they can start teaching this stuff as curriculum. So by the time children are adults and they're making the decisions that affect society, they have all the knowledge. Um, again, future farmers of America, that's so important to remember what FFA is, the future we got to start teaching them now so then when that future comes around, these guys are online and they have it. You know, the energy issues that concern our country are, are not unlike many other major issues that historically have faced our country in the sense that if you give the American farmer enough time and enough resource, he'll fix the problem, whatever it is. We've seen it throughout history. If you give them time... They'll figure out, these are the guys, these are the guys from Ohio that learn how to build airplanes, okay? These are the guys that learn, you know, it, it comes from America, ingenuity. Um, we're behind the curve here. The Europeans are very far ahead of us in developing alternative fuels. We can learn something from them. We should learn something from them. There's a great program here in San Diego at the schools here that they're, they're already teaching kids about all kinds of sustainable energy, not just fuel, but all kinds of energy, including fuel. And, and also, I mean, I've been sort of a cynic for a long time, and in the last couple of years I've actually kind of gotten a, a whole you know, rebirth of hope, and partly because of what I've seen, biodiesel and all these other things that are, are popping up, but, but mainly because of my interactions with the, the upcoming generations and the youth culture. Um, the, all the kids in the action sports field, the action sports environmental coalition, they've greened the X Games, they've got them on FSC wood, they're bringing in, they're bringing in Sambas on juices and organic foods, and those lines are longer than the Pepsi and the French fries and the, you know, the, the crap. And these kids, they don't even think about it as related to any kind of 
hippie movement or any kind of, you know, the, the right thing to do or, or, or political correctness. They just think of it as the common sense option. And that in itself has given me a lot of hope. And, yeah. and I, I really think that for kids, it's not, it's not even a question of which way to go. It's just the way to go. I see a lot of common sense in the younger generation that I didn't see in my generation when we were that old. They have so much more information now, you know. They do. They have and, a lot more information and they seem to be uh, taking it all in and yeah. handling it well. And, and, and you see that reflected in the choices that they make by, you know, greening up the X games and this is the generation that thought, hey, we'll just flip this motorcycle over backwards as we fly through the air. That's Every true. time I see the X Games, it gives me hope. Jesus, yeah. if, they get, if they got the balls to think of that and they can do it and pull it off, these are the people that are going to take us to, to outer space. These are the people that are going to cure AIDS, cancer. Why? Because they're not afraid to try. And we need to put biodiesel and alternative fuels out there uh, on the same sort of platform. And they're not going to be afraid to try it. Not only will they try it, they'll take and improve on it, just like they did with the X everything else. You know, we're seeing these kids do things now that we just, we, you know, they're defying gravity in ways that we didn't think was possible. Mm-hmm. They'll do the same thing with this technology given the chance. Sure, I would love to. i, I got to say, FFA is one of the biggest regrets in my life that I didn't join in high school. I had my mind on something else. I wanted to be somewhere else and do something else. And I thought I could escape the farmer in me. When I got to the point where I could live anywhere in the world I wanted and do anything I wanted, what did I do? I bought land and cows and a tractor because you, 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 you can't escape it. It is who you are. Um, and uh, I, didn't, I wasn't a member of FFA when I was in high school, so I'm trying to do everything I can to help now them. Now you're too crusty. Now I'm too crusty. They don't want me. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I'm going to have to change All the right. meaning of one of the Fs. <laughs> All right. That does it. One more. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you see the United States bridging bridging the gap between that and where the European You know, um, I think necessity is oftentimes the mother of invention, and that's how we get that saying. But when you look at the, some of the countries that we're talking about, they're small landlocked countries who have no very limited natural resources. And they have to import every drop of oil they get. I don't think they drill for oil in Germany or France. I could be wrong, but I've not seen it. Um, They have to import their energy. Wouldn't you rather import soybeans than nasty, gnarly, stinking crude oil? Those guys, it's that simple. They understand that they can get the same benefits and provide the same fuel and the same energy in a much cleaner, sustainable, environmentally friendly way. It's the common sense option, and they just, they exercise common sense because they don't have the capacity to import enough petroleum to uh, keep up with their burgeoning populations. And they they got, you know, they, they got hip to this long after World War II. So they've always been de- developing, you know, flex fuel automobiles and different types of technologies. Having said that, over 50% of the vehicles in Europe are still diesel. 
It's a big part of their marketplace. They never made the jump to gasoline. It's harder to refine diesel fuel to gasoline than it is to take crude oil to diesel fuel. I mean, that last stage in the refinement process is a difficult, toxic, nasty, expensive thing to get gasoline. They just choose not to do it. And I, I think that's very smart of them. They, they need less oil, and they still get their energy out of it. And now they, they've cut their oil consumption back considerably. We, need to, we get, need to look to them. You can get biodiesel at the pump all through Europe. I, I drove the gumball rally last year all on biodiesel, B100, the whole way, and was able to find uh, B100, you know, not a blend, all, all the way through 13 countries in six days. Wow, think about that. <laughs> and, you can go and, 13 countries. Yeah, and, and, you know, and you, and you have to keep in mind, I mean, you know, here, yeah, maybe I, don't, I didn't see the Super Bowl because the Bears weren't playing, but, <laughs> but, I, but um, you know, I mean, Ford just cut a bunch of its plants and employees. I mean, right. people, the, the, our automakers are having trouble with the SUVs now. I mean, mm-hmm. Americans are, you know, just do not want to have to... Have to dig that deep into their pockets to get, you know, to work every day and, and they're looking for, for more efficient cars. And that's why every car company is announcing their hybrid or their, mm-hmm. you know, their new technology. And, and so, you know, we like... You Moreover, know, I personally think this will be the death of the Ford Motor Company, the death knell for the biggest of the big three if they don't get on board with these technologies. And I mean now. They've got, they've got to understand that they can't play catch-up to the Japanese anymore. They can't sit back and see uh, what kind of cars Europe's going to put out and then try to knock that off. They need to be in the forefront of both design in terms of the aesthetic of the car and in terms of how much energy it consumes and what it, what it puts out. And I think they've put it off and they've deferred and they've tried different things and they've done it as long as they can. But at the end of the day, they're in the business of making money, and that's drying up for them. So they know they've got to switch to something else if they're going to continue to pull in the green. And i got to believe this is the next way for them to go, or we've seen the last of the American car company. We need to really, really try to also encourage China, I think, to, you know, look at our problems and, and learn, by the, learn, learn from by those. Mistakes. Yeah, sure. as well. Yeah, because the Chinese, think about how much energy they're going to be consuming as more and more of them come online. And we all read about this in the Newsweeks and the stuff, and that's the big story right now, isn't it? Ooh, China's coming. China's going to rule the world simply because they have the math. They have the most people. They have the most stuff. Makes sense to me. Having said that, we need to educate them. There are, don't, you don't have to have the same horrible pollution and the same things that we have because we have alternative sources now and we've learned different things. And that's an, another thing that I really love about biodiesel that Daryl said earlier is it crosses all borders, it crosses all lines, blue states, red states, Democrat, Republican. It's a human issue, human beings everywhere. And, um, yeah, that, that's why I, I feel so good. I could just come down here and talk about it. There's no downside. <laughs> Uh, for one, I would say make it legal to sell it. Um, you know, um, that would be a good one, a good place to start. <laughs> um, Are we talking about biodiesel? Yes. Um, no, I, I think there are a number of things that we could do. First of all, we, we still waste an awful lot of energy in this country. And 
We haven't taken advantage of all the alternative sources that we have with wind and solar, and we need to maximize on our other options while simultaneously reducing our consumption of fossil fuels, both coal and oil. All oil aside, both my grandfathers were coal miners. I'm sick of sending people in these holes to die for stuff we don't need anymore. We literally don't need it. There are other things out there that we could be burning. There are, there are, there are different ways to generate the electricity. And um, I would, that, that's the first thing I would do. I would try to reduce the amount of, of uh, fossil fuels and what we, you know, common energy that we consume. Everybody can use less. You just flat out can't. And when you can walk, walk. When you can ride a bike, ride a bike. Um, the, the other side of that is everybody needs to be slightly political here and drop a letter to your congressman. Cast your vote for somebody who is in a Green Party. Get out. Tell people. Make them aware of the alternative fuels. It's not something the government's going to do to us or for us. We need to do it for ourselves. That's the other thing that I really uh, like about this. It's not that different from when our country was being formed. You know, George Washington was a farmer before he was a general. Jefferson was a farmer. Abe Lincoln was a farmer. The men who founded this country, the principles of democracy, they had a working relationship with the earth, and they knew what they were talking about. They weren't men who were raised in um, big cities, in institutions of higher learning, never getting their hands dirty, never actually doing the service to their country. We're talking about guys who would go out, plow the land, farm the land, and they knew what they could reap from it. And therefore, they were stewards of the land, and they knew they had to sustain it. Somewhere along the line, those people quit, they quit getting elected. We quit electing farmers, and we started electing lawyers. And, and now you see what we have. I'm telling you, it's time for the farmers to sort of step up and take their place at the table again, and we can bring it right. People who understand the earth and how to reap the benefits of the earth, they can bring it right. you got to let them. Those, those would be my three things. All right. Thank you both very much for joining us. We appreciate it Thank you guys very much. I'd keep you here talking until it was dark, but they're going to And uh, Daryl is...